0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday Tech Check Plus live stream. It's been a while since I've done one of these, but I'm thrilled to have with me Zach Frey, co-founder and CEO of Plaid, and Aaron K. Kate Rooney. Hey, Thanks for being here. Good morning. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on TV about 15 minutes ago. Half an hour, I suppose. Um, we got to some of the top-level stuff, but I want to go back a little bit and talk about you came out, company came out with these 2023 fintech predictions. Um, what was sort of the number one prediction? What were people most interested in when you had that session?
1: So this is a a, a thing that we tend to do every year. We come up with our, our fintech predictions. I think this started from me writing a tweet from a plane maybe seven years ago uh, when we were a very small company. What and, did you tweet then? Uh, it was a, it was just a screenshot of a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of these these different. Did ideas. they come true? Um, you know, I think we were about 50-50 that year. Yeah. I think uh, in, in in general, we're probably 60-40 um, uh, some of them were, were.
2: Threads by the way. I feel like you were an early thread, thread person on Twitter. It was, <laughs> yes. it's a sc-
1: screenshot essay. In some yeah. Sense. Um, yeah, so d- this year, um, we predict that FinTech is going to have a, a banner year in many senses, but it's going to be very different um, than uh, what you might have said last year or the year before. Um, we've seen a shift in the way that the market is um, is growing and you've seen a pullback in venture funding into um, a lot of especially the later stage, digital finance companies, early stage is very healthy, but later stage, you've, you've seen less investment there. You've seen a pullback of some of the marketing budgets. That said, the fundamentals are still very, very strong about the market. Um, you're seeing consumers still really value um, uh, using digital financial products. Um, I said this earlier, but uh, 70% of consumers use a digital financial product on a week-to-week or a month-to-month basis. Um, and consumers don't want to go backwards. They, they, they don't want to go back to, to, to paper. Um, but what we're, we are also seeing is a huge shift towards um, many of the, the large technology companies, the large banks, building digital financial products. And so you'll see a kind of a, a shift where um, much of the innovation is actually coming from the larger enterprises as opposed to the, the, the smaller mm-hmm. startups. So um, we're excited. We think that we build fundamental uh, kind of foundational infrastructure for, for fintech, and we're excited that that's going to continue to push that's forward. It's interesting that
0: you way. say that as a fintech, that you think it's going to be the traditional players or the larger fintech players?
1: Uh, so I, I, I think that a lot of this year, you're going to see a bunch of building, a bunch of announcements coming from the big banks uh, and, and medium banks, and, and some of those points as well, uh, and the large technology companies. I think that's going to move a little faster, frankly, mm-hmm. than, than the other parts of the market.
2: I wonder too, with that eighty percent stat about consumers using sort of digital finance, do you guys have a sense of how much of that is a bank, or a tech company, Apple Pay, Google Pay, versus you know a Venmo of the world, and has that shifted at all? in the past couple of years? What have you seen in terms of trends there?
1: Yeah, so we we run this survey each year, uh, I call it the the FinTech Trend Survey, and we do this in partnership with the Harris Poll. And this is our attempt to to really understand what consumers are saying, what they're thinking, what they're wanting. Some of the the consistent things that come out of it are um, consumers deeply value simplicity and they value safety. Um, uh, they value uh, being able to do things easily in their financial lives and they, of course, value that, that, that their money is secure, that the products that they're using are secure and take care of them from a privacy perspective. Um, these are things that we deeply value at Plaid um, as well. And so when we start to look at what the, the consumers are actually using, Um, It's a mixture. Um, Some of them are using neobanks, some of them are using uh, digital banking experiences, but many of them are are trying things like budgeting tools for the first time. This year, actually, and and over the past few months especially, we've seen a a large uh, resurgence of growth in uh, any tools that help consumers manage their budgets, spend less, understand how they're spending, and have a better picture into their financial life, and so that's a trend we expect to continue this year. Is
2: that an inflation tax? Are you seeing any different consumer behavior in terms of savings or maybe less investing? I wonder what impact inflation has had and what do you expect to go forward
1: well i think i think the bigger trend is actually economic uncertainty uh, and pressure coming on consumer incomes or some questions coming about consumer income so as consumers are more nervous about what their income is going to look like in six or 12 months they're being prudent with their spend now and um, so you see applications uh, like Truebill, which is which is now called Rocket Money, and uh, they're building tools to help consumers um, manage the, the bills that are coming in, uh, manage their money. Um, and you've seen them uh, just continue to grow in a really exciting way. Um, I expect that applications like that are going to continue.
0: I'm so fascinated by this sort of broader prediction that you think it's the institutions and big tech that are going to drive innovation going forward. I mean, isn't fintech supposed to be displacing these companies and doing it better? Isn't it kind of a backlash that J.P. Morgan Chase savings account offers you 0.001 APY still today? So is that good for the consumer that it's the big companies, the legacy companies that you think are going to be the ones innovating? Because those are the ones that have typically underserved the underbanked and led to this explosion of fintech.
1: Well, um, maybe I should clarify my statement okay. there. Um, I think the banks, uh, many of the big banks and the large technology are gonna be the ones driving a lot of the innovation over the next year. Okay. Um, that's not forever. Okay. Um, and the, the reason I say this is, um, you look at those that have the biggest budgets and that can benefit the most from, from, from making a shift to digital. Um, every company is talking about how to cut costs, how to make their, their prudently. Um, and when you look at many of the larger companies, they're the ones that actually have the most opportunity from going digital. Um, so putting in place digital technologies that will bring down their their spend, bring down their cost to serve their consumers um, this year. And then as things start to tick up, as things start to grow next year, they'll be able to benefit
0: from well, that. That's the key, right? That the scale and they have the money in this tougher macro environment where investors are putting greater emphasis on profitability. But again, is that good for the consumer, right, Kate? Like we have a lot of time talking about this, how Um, banks started the overdraft fees that burned a lot of young consumers when they were starting. So does scale and sort of cash right now equal more innovation, at least in the short term? I understand what you're saying.
1: So I think more opportunities, more products for consumers are a great thing. And as consumers have more choice, Um, they're going to be able to live better financial lives. You know, I I actually, I grew up in a very small town, there was a bank in our town, Um, and my my parents were able to get uh, some accounts from that bank, but they weren't able to get all their accounts from that bank, so they had to travel a long way. Having access to digital financial products would have been great for my parents. They would have had uh, kind of better tools and services that were available to them. And I think that that's consistent. Um, But one thing I will say is, it's not as if early stage startup innovation is is not happening. Uh, It is, we've grown our customer base by double digit percentage points here, uh, over the past year. And um, as we look at the early stage, we are seeing a lot of innovation, a lot of new ideas coming out there. Um, but when you think about the usage from consumers, um, it's not as much coming from a kind of expansion of growth stage companies right now. It's coming from some of the larger companies that are are having the budgets and are having the existing user bases that they can distribute their new products into.
2: I wonder, speaking banks, a lot of the smaller community banks have been sort of providing banking as a service, or BAS, as some are starting to call it, instead of SaaS. Is that going to continue? Do you think some of these small regional banks will keep partnering with fintechs or will it become some of the bigger Wall Street banks or will the fintechs decide, like SoFi did, to either go out and buy their own community bank and get a bank charter? Are you starting to see more fintechs wanting to become actually a regulated bank?
1: Um, I think the answer to that is yes, yes, and yes. Uh, So, yes, I suspect that we will continue to see community banks, small and medium sized banks. Um, that are partnering with fintech to help them build the infrastructure. I suspect that we'll see some of the larger banks jump in and actually start to partner with fintech because that is a great revenue opportunity a growth opportunity. Um, And yet I expect some of the the, the fintechs as best they can to apply for, for these bank traders. We have seen a shift in the regulatory environment though. Um, we're seeing the regulators put much more scrutiny on the the partnership programs between fintechs and banks. And, you know, in short term, that certainly causes questions, causes slowdowns in some areas. But in the long term, I think that's a really good thing. I think it's great that we're getting more regulatory clarity on how banks can partner with fintechs. Um, And we're actually seeing um, a couple interesting areas uh, really emerge. So the banks are putting or the regulators are putting a big focus on know your customer. Uh, products and uh, sorry, know your customer uh, uh, kind of rules, uh, ensuring that the banks and the fintechs themselves are deeply going in and ver- verifying the identities. Um, that's a trend I suspect to continue. So more regulatory scrutiny, I, s- I expect.
2: What about for you guys? So uh, as the middleman and having this sort of API I know data detection, consumer protection is a big, a big, big focus, especially for bank regulators. I wonder what that looks like as different fintechs get into this, and sort of your take on if it's a, what the, the right amount is on know your customer laws on consumer protection while still allowing innovation?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So for us at Plaid, we deeply believe that consumers need to have uh, access to their data, but they need to have it in a secure manner and they need to have the proper privacy protections in place. Um, And that's been foundational to how we've built our company and how how we've tried to encourage the ecosystem. I think greater regulatory um, involvement, greater regulatory questions, um, that's generally a good thing, generally positive for consumers, it's protectionary for for, for consumers. Um, However, um, we have to ensure that there's technology to meet the growing regulatory demands. for us, actually, uh, last year, we made a big investment in identity verification. We built an identity verification uh, product, um, uh, and that's grown really, really well within within our customer base. The second area is risk and fraud protection tools. Um, so we've made a huge investment there and, and have a couple of new products that came to market last year that have, that have done very well. Um, and we, we actually suspect that over the coming year, those are going to be two of our fastest growing product lines. Um, so uh, uh, you know we hope that the, the technology is there to meet the regulatory need.
0: Zach, do you know uh, Alex Rampal? Uh... Andreessen Horlitz. You know him. Investors in Plaid.
1: Alex is investor in Plaid, yeah. Okay, got it.
0: He had this fascinating tweet thread the other day talking about Target's debit card and how it's essentially allowed the company, a retailer, to save so much money by connecting consumers directly, they're connecting their ACH to this card and they bypass the rails essentially. Is that something that Plaid helps with? Uh, so I, I can't
1: comment on the, the specifics of okay. of our customers in uh, in some of these senses, but what I will the say the idea is,
0: of it then. Yeah, the, like he was making the point that it saved them billions of dollars, right, in merchant fees.
1: Yeah, so the the concept of um, uh, of using banklink payments is something that a lot of retailers looked at over over many many years. Um, but if I'm honest, we're still very early in the use of banklink payments for retail. Um, uh, we see bank links transfers um, existing in many other parts of uh, of, of of commerce, um, but in in retail, it's it's not happening as much. Um, the Target Red Card is a fascinating uh, yeah. case study, and for anyone that hasn't uh, researched it, I, I strongly recommend you go go do a bit of reading. I on read it. that um,
0: tweet thread from Alex or, or, Rappel. Or, or, he does a good summary. Or
1: read the tweet thread certainly. Um, but what I will say is, um, I suspect that bank links payments will become a more used mechanism, um, as yes, ACH can and continues to, to to work well but as fed now and as rtp start to roll out and um, uh, that's going to be a safer easier way for consumers to to to, to utilize bank payments and i suspect that, that will have a lot of track
0: where does that leave the rails visa and mastercard
1: you know i've, I've said this before but um i can't comment on visa and mastercard specifically and the rails um uh, <laughs> we won't <say> who. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 more rails that are out there the better for the consumer really? um, the more the more options that they have the better for the consumer now consumers but What use... the merchant? I think that's also good for the merchant so the but they have
0: to pay to use the rails
2: i think the security thing is the other their, their argument has been that they provide data protection security they like they're doing such a, a massive lift on the back end that they are actually really putting a service and then the regulatory argument has been that it's a duopoly and there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of reasons on both sides but it, it's been interesting uh I, but I, again not to interrupt, i'm fascinated on what this means for Visa and MasterCard, if you can just bypass that, correct, connect directly to your bank account, and if that erodes fees. You're now the
0: one that's making it secure, hopefully, you know, to not use them. So it just feels like there's this conflict playing out, maybe?
1: So what will say is, um, broadly, we think that, um, more, more ways to move money, more ways to fund accounts, more, more, more ways to move your money around is a good thing for consumers. Um, whether that's on uh, kind of a traditional credit or debit card rail, whether that's a direct bank uh, payment, um, whether that's using uh, a wallet or, or, or whether that's using maybe FedNow or RTP, these, these new mechanisms that are, that, are, that are continuing to roll out, we think that's a great thing. Consumers should have optionality in how they want to move money around. Some consumers are willing to pay more um, in order to move money faster, some merchants are willing to pay more in order to move money faster. Some consumers are, or merchants are willing to wait a little longer and for a little cheaper. And I think the options are great.
0: Well, there's options, but I have to say, as a Canadian trying to move my money from Canada to the U.S., it has gotten no better over the last, you know, six years that I've been living here in the U.S. It's and coin
2: is- <laughs> exactly, that was the promise of
0: crypto. And you, there's more options, but it feels like I don't need more options. I need a better way and certainly the underbanks need a better yeah. cheaper way faster way to do so
1: i couldn't agree with you more um but i think i think the first step to get there is um having rails that are um uh, rails in, in, in many varieties of, of, of ways to move money and um, but having ways to move money that are cheaper easier more secure and more consumer centric and um, that's that's where we play that's where plaid thinks about it and um, can we build the foundational tools and then on top of that we'll have applications that'll start to merge um, that will start to utilize that and, and solve these problems. So, for example, uh, Wise is, is is a customer of Plaid, and uh, they're very focused on making just, uh, inter- international transfers. Uh, it costs money. Um, it does cost money. It still takes
0: time. To, to, um, two of or course, three days.
1: Of course, there's always opportunities to do better, but <laughs> we think that by continuing to improve the infrastructure, then we will see the application layer sit on top of it and, and hopefully drive more value to you.
2: I wonder. You're talking about real time payments. There's open banking in Europe. The the expectation when there was talk of bringing that over to the US was that this would really disrupt Plaid and get rid of the need to have that middleman. If you've got, as a consumer, access to your data, it's a lot easier to take your banking data, connect it to whatever other app. You guys have said the opposite and said, no, no, no we still play a role here. I wonder if you could explain Plaid's relevance going forward if Fed real-time payments, open banking come to the US, because you guys have really made that argument that, no, we, we still play a role, but can you sort of explain how that works cuz a lot of people have said no this would this would get rid of the need to even have a plan
1: absolutely so um, in in the US there are something like 10,000 11,000 12,000 financial institutions then you add on top of that all of the different permutations of those financial institutions and all of the digital financial products and you have you know well more than 10,000 uh, different types of entities. And every user of every one of those types of applications, they want to use every other one of those applications. They, they want to use FinTech. And, and so uh, the role that we play is integrating uh, with all those applications, making it such that a consumer, if they want to sign up for a new financial product, they can use whatever financial product they have. Um, uh, to do so. Now that's a lot of complexity and I don't think that complexity is going away. When we look at um, uh, what open banking has done in Europe or uh, what kind of Dodd-Frank and the the implementation of the kind of open banking provisions or open finance provisions of Dodd-Frank will bring to the U.S. it's clear inconsistency. Um, so the way to integrate with the bank, the way that a bank serves data, the way that um, a, a bank gives, gives consumers access to their funds and their data um, is completely inconsistent in the U.S. Um, some banks will do it in one way, some banks will do it in the other way. We build infrastructure help mm-hmm. it in the third way and the fourth way. Um, and, and the complexity there is very high. Over time, we hope that the open banking rules will make the complexity more straightforward, and they'll give the consumers additional confidence um, that if they wanna use a certain type of product, that is going to work really, really well for mm-hmm.
0: them. And that's been the promise right reducing that friction zach well we just have a few minutes left i just want to touch on you know it was only a few years ago that visa made that acquisition um it was shot down by the regulators how do you feel almost two years on from that and what's your appetite for deals right now whether plat is the target or doing some yourself in this moment where it feels like a lot of consolidation is needed
1: so I feel uh, incredibly fortunate in the situation that we ended up in. Um, uh, Obviously, the history of that, we we had a Visa deal. We then uh, did a big fundraising round after that. Um, And the reason we chose to go in that direction at at the end of the day was that we just, we felt that there was so much opportunity out there. And and the market, even through COVID, had fundamentally shifted for for digital finance. Um, And that's something I still very deeply believe. So um, when I look ahead to the next two, three, four years, Predict the next twelve months is going to be—it's going to be a different one uh, than than, than most, technologies have been, most technology companies have been used to, um, and it's going to be an exciting one in a lot of senses as well. But then, as we start to think about recovery in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, and um, fintech just as a market is poised to have a great set of growth here. So that's really what we're laser focused. So you're on. looking for
0: an IPO
2: eventually.
1: At some point, that's not the immediate focus right now. But, but I mean, but point, I mean, versus
0: did it sort of solidify your desire to be a standalone company or? do you still think about what it would be like to be one of these big institutions that you say they have the money and the scope to really um, innovate over the next year at least?
1: Um, well, I think I think at this point we're we're most likely on the path towards an IPO, and that's 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 a, an end that we are. I guess I should say an interim state or a milestone um, that we're very excited for at some point, but it's not the immediate focus right now. Right now, we're we're just laser focused yeah. on supporting our customers through this period of uncertainty um, and helping them continue to grow.
2: What about the acquirers? So, thinking of Visa, Mastercard, even big tech, with what's gone on in antitrust, do you have the sense that there are companies out there that? If, even if they have enough cash on their balance sheet, could do these deals to buy a Plaid or buy a Chime or one of these late-stage growth companies. Based on your experience you with know, the DOJ and everything that happened with Visa, do you expect that that's even a possibility at this point? Uh,
1: you know, I've I, I've learned that uh, me pontificating on uh, M&A and certainly me pontificating <laughs> on uh, antitrust regulation, uh, I I don't have the best uh, the best guesses on the front. But what I will say is, um, I think there are a lot of opportunities to bring together best-in-breed technology with best-in-breed financial services. And um, over the past few years, we've seen a number of instances where um, large uh, financial institutions have bought smaller uh, fintech companies. Um, Some have gone incredibly well. Not all of them uh, have gone incredibly well, but some of them have gone very well. I suspect that um, if companies do struggle, um, that's that's a trend that we will see continuing.
0: I think we have to leave it there because we're out of time. But thank you so much for joining us on the show and now in the live stream. And thank you to those that were watching. As always, Kate Rooney, oh, partner here. At yeah. Um, so we'll end me. this and hope you come back
2: soon. Thank you so much. And thank we'll do
0: like me. a checklist maybe at the end of the year. I want to
2: know what you got wrong. So we'll check back in 2024. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what worked and what didn't. And, Let's and, do and I'd like to see that list,
0: the original list, to be interesting to see what six seven years on. Yeah. Perfect. Well, right? I'll, I'll
1: find it and send it to you. Thank you for having, <laughs>
0: having me. That'd be great. Thank you so much.